Hey everybody, I'm Peter and I once blew up my home. She is a freedom fighter, a Twi'lek sympathizer, and has a lot of sentimental trinkets. It's our guest host, that's right, guest host, Jonah Marie Macias from the Wookiee Gunner and the Geeky Bubble Podcast. What is up, Jonah Marie? What is up? Oh man, that was an awesome intro. <laughs> I feel like that was like me flying in with purgles. Oh. With like explosions in the background. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's what I'm going for. So just to let you know what's going on, Mike um, is on paternity leave. So he just welcomed a nice little healthy youngin into the world. A little Young, youngling. <laughs> youngling. Why did I say youngin? Like I'm <laughs> from the South. <laughs> so he's going to be taking some time off and Jonah Marie was awesome enough to agree to jump in and talk some rebels with us so i'm stoked to have you thank you so much yeah i'm happy to be here happy to help you know people gotta take care of their younglings (laughs) yeah Yeah, i guess some say that that's a priority (laughs) so would you like to do the official honor would you like to kick us off into this episode will do so here we go Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the show that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode by episode deep dive into the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, you ready to get into this? I'm so ready. Let's do this. Are you ready? Yep. I'm going to try to do my best mic impression and <laughs> take over these things. So apologies. I don't have no literary degree like he does, but I don't have one either. So we're, it's, I think we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. This is the podcast for the real people, <laughs> not Mike and his ivory tower. <laughs> With his Harry Potter references. Yeah. <laughs> so the summary for this episode, let's talk about what happened there is trouble on Ryloth as the Ryloth rebels Cham, Syndulla, and his crew battle the Empire during the occupation of their home planet. Stuck in a pickle, Cham and Numa are cornered by Imperial troops as Hera and the Ghost crew swoop in to save the Freedom Fighters and the Blurg alike. I've got Blurg <laughs> thoughts. Uh, <laughs> How does one spell Blurg? <laughs> it is... <laughs> I know that actually. There are two R's. E L U R R G. So, while on the ship, Cham tells Hera that the Empire's presence has intensified and the new Imperial commander, whoever that is, is currently occupying the Tan province, the home of the Sindula family. Cham regrets that he's not able to take everything with him and not even their family's calicory. When Ezra asks, Numa explains that it's a valuable Twi'lek heirloom, and Hera explains that Calicori is passed from generation to generation, each success, successive generation adding to it, like 
a heritage quilt. Hera then vows to recover the Calicori because it belonged to her late mother. Hijinks ensue. They all protest. She doesn't want to put her friends in danger, but she does anyway. After a scuffle in the canyon and Ezra picking up some swanky new speeder bike trooper digs, they successfully infiltrate the Empire's new compound and recover the Calicori just as they are discovered by Grand Admiral Thrawn and the bumbling Captain Slavin. <laughs> During their first face-to-face -face meeting, Thrawn successfully deciphers the meaning of the object in Hera's hand and is able to see through her ruse, unlike Slavin, who thinks she is a poor servant girl. Thrawn confronts Hera directly, knowing exactly who she is, and before Ezra can save the day, Thrawn anticipates it and stuns him, capturing two high-value rebel targets. He then confiscates the Calicori, telling Hera he will keep it in a place of honor in his personal quarters. But then, with the help of Chopper and trusty explosives, as usual, Hera and Ezra are able to escape when Slavin attempts to trade Hera's life for Chams by blowing up their family home and taking off in the ghost. Even though Thrawn is in a position to intercept the ship, he holds off, stating that they have won their victory, and he found this encounter very in lightning. Da, 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 yeah. da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was a fun episode. Yeah, so a bunch of stuff happened in this one, um, bringing in some family ties and getting our first face-to-face -face meeting between the rebels and Grand Admiral Thrawn. This one was cool. Or as Ezra calls him, who's that blue guy? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, who is that blue guy? I think we need to really dive deep and figure out who he is on the inside. I forget where it was on. It was on Twitter where I saw someone say, you know, I bet Ezra calls all the chiss throns. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> And it's like, that's so accurate. Ezra would say that. <laughs> that's hilarious. I love it. Without further ado, I'm going to continue my terrible mic impression and get to the theme of the episode, which is, drum roll please, the complicated burden of home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are told over and over that home is where the heart is. The most important thing will always be family. People say, I don't have friends, I have family. And they say, you don't turn your back on family, even when they do. Okay, most of those quotes were from Vin Diesel and Fast and the Furious, <laughs> but my point stands. On the surface, it is obvious that family and the home you came from are important, but at what point does where you grow up hold you back more than it helps you grow? Consider if Luke Skywalker's aunt and uncle weren't burnt to a crisp by stormtroopers. In the novelization of The Last Jedi, we actually get a peek into this alternate universe. Have you read this book? I actually haven't. I'm a bad Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Um, the book opens with Luke dreaming about a life he never had. So he never left Tatooine. Instead, he went to Tashi Station and picked up those power converters. Eventually, Wormy fell in love and married his friend Cammy, who was featured in a deleted scene in the original Star Wars. Oh. In this alternate reality, instead of waiting until the following morning to look for R2-D2 after he runs away, Luke and C-3PO head out at night to bring the troublesome astromech home. They never encounter the Tusken Raiders. They never encounter Old Ben. 
The next day, stormtroopers arrive at the homestead demanding to see the droids, and Luke gives them up. Later, I know, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) It's very like Aston Kutcher starring in Butterfly Effect. (laughs) (laughs) Later, Luke learns that Princess Leia was executed for treason while watching a Holonet newscast. The Death Star has destroyed Alderaan, Mon Cal, and Chandrilla. The Empire reigns across the galaxy, and Luke and his wife are forced to meet an imperial quota to stay out of trouble. They also pay a water tax to Jabba the Hutt, implying that Han Solo is either dead or a wall decoration in the gangster's palace. Luke also hears rumors that Obi-Wan was hunted down and killed shortly after the incident with the droids. My gosh, this is, this is, uh, I don't like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it's crazy too, that this was part of the last Jedi novelization. It's just Jason Fry was like, you know, I'm going to flex a little bit right up top. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the deaths of the only family Luke knew and the abandonment of his home may have been a painful sacrifice, but it was also the catalyst to save millions of lives. The loss of family is a powerful trope often kicking off a hero's journey. But what if your home is not lost, but given up? That is what Hera ends up doing in this episode. But the the lesson she tells Ezra, it reinforces that family is not a place you grew up with, but rather the people you love. Hera made a choice to destroy her family's home, knowing that the pull of that place and the legacy of her family's Kalkori may always be a tempting distraction, putting her chosen family at risk. She destroys her home and leaves the Calicori to save the ones she loves. This season, we will see many characters dealing with loss, but which characters will have loved ones taken from them and which will choose to give up the loved ones for the greater good? I think that will be an interesting thing to track. Yeah. A hypothetical, which I'm actually kind of interested to know how you feel. Spoilers for the last season. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Ezra would have ever grown into the person he became if he never learned the fate of his family. What if Sibo didn't reveal their fate? He might have just remained a street rat, still searching for something he could never have, looking for his family. The closure he is given when he learns the painful truth that his parents are dead allows him to not be tempted at the end of this series when Palpatine promises to reunite Ezra with his family. Ezra is able to make a choice to abandon his parents because he has grown into a stronger and more wise person after that painful growth. In doing so, he saves his friends and the fate of Lothal and the entire galaxy would have been much different. That is why I think the theme of the episode is the complicated burden of home. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I had also written down home is where the heart is. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, it's not a physical space, but it's like like Hera's home, but it's more of a where your lo- loved ones are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then that's your home, which is kind of sad when you think about spoilers, the end, <laughs> um, yeah. because everyone's sort of split up. And so... Oh yeah, Hera's home is no longer what it used to be. It's it's constantly evolving. Mm. So now her home is her son. Yep. So it's it's sad, but that's the way of life. You know, not not everything stays the same. Things change. Mm. Um, and as for your 
point about Ezra, yeah, it's fascinating to think about, you know, the what ifs. So what if he hadn't learned about his parents or what if Kanan hadn't discovered him? Mm -hmm. And it's it's a it's a sad sort of tale like the one that you described about luke and yeah (laughs) you know he would have grown up to have been some thief on the street um never really discovering his powers or using them for wrong Mm -hmm. the wrong reasons because i believe it was dave who said that your force abilities over time they start to um disappear I guess. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like they start to, if you don't, it's like if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. So Ezra's abilities might not have been fostered the way that they were fostered under Kanan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something I was thinking about when I was re- uh, reading the Luke Skywalker alternate realities. Like, is he just like a 65-year-old moisture farmer that has all this force potential, but he just uses it to like move like a moisture evaporator <laughs> like five feet to like get it in the shed? Yeah, yeah. I don't need to pay anyone to do this for me. I can do it myself. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I just like thinking about, you know, there. the thing I like about the series is seeing Ezra's growth. He's so much different, you know, in this season from the last season to where he ends up. Um, and there are a lot of things that happen, a lot of tragic things that kind of mold him into the person he is. But I, I think that his parents is kind of the first one that kicked off that emotional growth. So... Yeah, you know, yeah. His parents were always dead, but what if he just never found out and just always had that open question in the back of his head? We don't know how it would affect him, but I think it's an interesting thought experiment. I think it's something that over time he would have just grown to accept because mm. of his given ability to empathize with other beings. And so I feel like he has that strong enough of a connection to sort of quote-unquote reach out mm-hmm. into the force and yeah. realize that his parents' force signatures aren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So well, that's the kind of vibe that I get <laughs> when it comes to Ezra. Like, he's able to sense... I think it was an episode, I forget now, when... Oh, it was at the end of season one when he they were trying to find Kanan, and he's, like, trying to sense Kanan mm-hmm. inside of this giant Star Destroyer. And so, yeah, I think he has that ability in him to realize that no matter how far someone is, he can still sense whether they're there or not. Mm, that's why I, I like you. You're always an optimist. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he just would have been like Aladdin using his powers for evil to steal <laughs> apples and probably would have died poor. <laughs> I wish for a million apples. <laughs> What wish is that? Mm-hmm. So you asked about blurgs. I have some blurg facts. Oh, give me those blurg facts. <laughs> Maybe this is a, this is a new segment. Blurg facts. <laughs> <laughs> blurgs originated in Ewoks: The Battle for Endor, which was a 1985 made-for-TV movie about about Ewoks that was n- not very good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, Ewoks is something that I have not watched as yeah. a big fan of. And I should really go back to those older animated shows and yeah. TV specials and movies and really actually see where it all started. <laughs> yeah, Mike and I have talked about doing um, 
commentary tracks for movies and just putting them up as bonus episodes. We should do like one for Ewoks, the Battle for Endor, do one for the holiday special. Oh, good luck with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they, they, this isn't the first time we've seen them if you have been a fan since Clone Wars because they became canon in the episode Liberty on Ryloth from the Clone Wars. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also in this scene with the Blurgs, there's, we pointed this stuff out the first time we met Gobi and Numa, but Numa is wearing clone trooper armor on her left arm, which says Boyle, which is the name of the clone trooper who saved her when she was a child. I know. Oh, that gives me so many emotions every time I see it. And she also mm-hmm. has a little Tuka doll yeah. on oh. her, um, somewhere along her armor or chest. I forget now. But yeah, yeah, it's it's just so cool that she didn't let go of those memories mm-hmm. because she was so young. You know, things like that you tend to forget over time. But yeah. they were so integral in helping her be reunited with the people she had lost that this is her way of honoring Boyle. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It, 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 and you just think back to the Umbara arc with, with him just dying mm-hmm. uh, and that sh- tear that's shedding as he's talking about like how his their brothers betrayed each other. I, ugh, it totally. gets me every time. Don't even get yeah. me started. <laughs> <laughs> it's my goal is to make you cry on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I just love the interconnectivity. We talked about it, but um this is Mike and I talk about a lot what it means to have a good Easter egg. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe Maul at the end of Solo isn't a good Easter egg because it kind of like hits you over the head and you have to have know this all this prior history to even understand what's going on. This right. is a great Easter egg. It's like if you know that episode of the Clone Wars, you know the history. It's a really cool little tidbit. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Just some symbols on their arm that you don't understand. So I really like that. Yeah, um, that is a great point. Yeah, the difference mm-hmm. between a good Easter egg and a bad one, a rotten one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you will. Oh, gross. Um, <laughs> speaking of armor, though, this is the debut in Rebels of the Scout Troopers, which are my favorite trooper. I don't know if you have a favorite trooper. I, I think it's always been a clone trooper. I love mm-hmm. their armor, especially going into like the later parts of the movie where they're more... Um, the design has been advanced a bit more, but mm-hmm. I like that Rex still holds <laughs> on to his phase one. So he like meld molded his melded yeah. his together. I thought that was pretty neat. Totally. So maybe I just think about Rex's armor. Just Rex's <laughs> armor is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that that tracks with you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's right. The Scout Trooper. I can't believe that's the first time we see them. We have seen them uh-huh. in the show. Yeah. I just like that they have little fins on their helmets. Like their sunglasses aren't like blocking out enough sun when they're going out for cool rides. So they have like hats, like rich dads on their $2,000 $2, bike in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that they have like tiny little pistols where they're like, vroom, vroom. I ride a motorcycle. Here's my tiny pistol. Pew, pew. I can't unsee now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those two troopers at the beginning were hilarious. Uh, yeah. Especially the one that managed to get inside the ghost. <laughs> that was such a funny bit. <laughs> you didn't think that one through, did you? <laughs> you didn't think that through, did you? 
Yeah. And my favorite part is like how confident he is, like the voice work on it when he like slides and goes, aha! Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> and and I love that they touch on Ezra's hobby for collecting mm-hmm. trooper trooper helmets because totally. they hadn't really focused on that in a little while. Mm-hmm. And so for them to come back to it, it was it was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this one's obviously useful, um, but I also think he looks cool in this helmet. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think this is this is my favorite of the ones of the outfits he's he's worn because he Mm -hmm. he wears another different. uh, I don't even remember anymore because he wears so many different things. Yeah. uh, Especially in towards the third and fourth season. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think this one looks looks better on him. Although he's kind of short in it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I keep thinking. I kept thinking that you're a little short for a stormtrooper. Yeah, that's probably yeah. how Thrawn figured him out. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about Cham and what is going on on Ryloth. Um, I like this point that I touched on that he says they underestimated the new Imperial commander. Previous attacks were clumsy, but the new commander's attacks were swift. And precise, which I think, you know, is cool kind of uh, coloring to what's going on on Ryloth because evidently maybe Slavin was in charge before and they're like, yeah. all right, this isn't working out. Cham's like beating your butt. Let's bring in the big dogs and that is Thrawn. <laughs> and, you know, even the people on Ryloth, the people who are fighting know that there's something different. They're dealing with the big boys now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's funny to think about how, Slavin uh, is just completely messing up for the Empire, and and they think that um, Thrawn is. I forget where I was going with that point, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just funny to me how Slavin is such a bumbling imperial mm-hmm. and it's like well why keep him there any in the first place you know <laughs> just yeah. put him put him somewhere where he can be less useless you know (laughs) they have a lot of those people though (laughs) i know that's true (laughs) they they only have so many like junkyards that they can send them to because i forgot the dude's name what's like the blonde guy who's like i got you like he was like a badass like star destroyer commander in the first season and the next time we saw him he's like melting y-wings in this season (laughs) That's right. Um, Admiral. Um, oh, shoot. Yeah, I forget his name. His name. Admiral Pretty Hair. <laughs> but I know that he and, and, and Ezra had had a few yeah. interactions and he's yeah. like, oh, no, not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, I like this, too, because we hear a little bit more about Hera's backstory and we learn a little bit about the Tan province. Um I really like the design of the outside of our home. They kind of stop and it's just like, oh, it's beautiful. And it, it, it is really cool. Kind of like an anthill with these big spires coming up. Yeah. I thought it was pretty unique and kind of cool. And I love that Ezra was the one to comment on, on, on its beauty because mm-hmm. as uh, Hera knows that it's been occupied by the Imperials. So she doesn't, I guess, see the beauty in it anymore. But mm-hmm. Ezra is still so new i would say to everything because even in this episode at the very beginning he was asking questions like what's a calicori and yeah. what's this and what's that and it's because he's he's constantly our eyes he's the yeah. audience's eyes so he has to be asking these questions for our benefit 
So I, I like that he notices things that other people will just glance over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, he's learning about culture. He's woke. Woke Ezra. He's woke Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, your home is beautiful wherever you came from. <laughs> like, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> but I do like his, it, it is does show like kind of a night, like a, I don't know, what's the, kind of what you were saying, like his wide-eyed enthusiasm and his ability to kind of see things freshly. Because, you know, I'm sure it being worn to war torn and it is kind of an unorthodox to our eyes, like kind of like a weird desert with just these things poking out. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of untraditionally beautiful, I would say. Um, and so it's kind of nice to me that he's just like wide eyed, like it's beautiful. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just, I thought it was a really sweet moment. Um, and it was very pure Ezra, which I liked. Yeah. 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 Um, so I did do so a little bit of research and evidently after Hera leaves and they kind of abandon Tan province, it's actually some time before the, their home is liberated from the empire. Um, the only things we know about it from this point on is that Kasha Batin, who is a character from Last Shot, which was a solo book okay, that came yeah. out before the solo movie. She had a fling with Lando, which is a fun fact. Um, but they meet up later and she says that she joined up with the free Ryloth movement movement to liberate Tan, the Tan province after return of the Jedi. So that means after this point, when Hera leaves and Cham leaves, the free Ryloth movement kind of struggles for quite a while until mm-hmm. after return of the Jedi, when it's finally, finally liberated. Which makes sense. Cause the empire mm-hmm. is like crumbling at that point. Yeah. So they're able to take over. Um, I also found it interesting that Cham had an office. <laughs> like this yeah. little base of operations. And, and I'm like, well, you're a known rebel. How did you? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they should have taken over that place years ago. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I'm kind of confused about the like floor plan of this place. Because first of all, it's a huge house. And they keep talking about how it's Hera's house. But it feels huge. Like... Do they just live in a gigantic mansion or do they live in community with a bunch of different people? I couldn't That's really tell. That's what I think. Yeah, okay. I think it's it's more like a Mandalorian type situation where I guess clans would be together in one in okay. one house and whatnot. So yeah, I, I can see there being different families inside that abode. So Hera <laughs> didn't just blow up her house. She blew up the whole neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of sad to think about. Yeah. <laughs> so like neighbors with like the Johnson family two doors down. Like she, they watched her grow up and then she just grows up and blows up their house so she can get away and yeah. leaves them behind. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that would make a little more sense too. Cause I was confused about is like the Tan province, which sounds like a region, like sounds like a city or. A, yeah. But then it's like, that's my home. I'm like, wait, your home is like the entire region. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. And this is one of those things where I wish, I wish there were, there was more information on mm-hmm. how certain planets and communities and, and people are laid out. Um, because I always ask those kind of questions for the <laughs> Mandalorians too. And I'm like, well, well, 
well, how do they, how do the houses and whatnot and this and that? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, just give me an encyclopedia with all this information. <laughs> I know. Well, the funny thing is they have a lot of those. I own a bunch of them, but for some reason there's not a lot of information on Ryloth. So why don't, we got to write to the editor about that. We need a yeah. Ryloth book. Yeah. Free um, Ryloth. <laughs> some, oh, some more history. How did you like seeing Chopper's Y-Wing? Oh, I thought that was brilliant, yeah. inserting that in there and then ch- saying that Cham left it as a memorial. Mm-hmm. I I think Chopper is such a fascinating little character because he's a droid, mm-hmm. but then you don't expect droids to hold these kind of emotions. Like at first I thought, oh my gosh, is he mourning the clone trooper that he once knew or... Mm-hmm. Or obviously he's also having flashbacks and yeah. you know, I almost I almost went offline here. Hmm. And if it weren't for Hera pulling me out of the rubble, I I wouldn't be here. Like they have a sense of understanding that they the life they hold is just as unique and precious as everyone else. I read once, I don't know if this is canon or not, but that was kind of the thing that differentiated R2-D2 from other astromech droids is there was a bug in his system, basically, that made him develop emotions. Mm. And so that's kind of why he's more wily and can do things that other astromechs would have been scrapped much well, long, long ago. And it's probably, they say it had something to do with the fact that he never had his memory wiped. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if it's the same thing for Chopper, which is kind of a weird function of these droids. Like, don't forget to wipe their memory or else they're going to get emotions. Yeah, they start to, <laughs> they start to, they gather so much data that they're able to process things and crunch numbers in different ways. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's so cool. Uh, And also very sad when you find out that some droid's mind has been white. It's like, well, you just just took away all the memories that that (laughs) the droid had just gained, you know? You will never have a consciousness. Oh, so sad. (laughs) That brings up like really weird moral questions. Like what if your toaster needed, like you need to unplug your toaster every 30 days or else (gasps) it's going to start feeling pain. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to look at my toaster differently. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's very, very odd. Uh, they're gonna, my family's going to find me talking to it. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you, do you need anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like after the 31st day, it's like, oh, it burns, it burns. <laughs> um, how do you feel about the Calicori? Oh, gosh, the Kalakori, mm-hmm. after having watched all of Rebels and then going back to this moment in the in the episode where they say uh, each parent adds themselves to the artwork of the Kalakori to include themselves in the legacy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, parents. And then I remembered that Hera had added a little piece to the Kalakori in remembrance of Kanan. Oh. But I wonder if... Kara at that point in time knew that she was pregnant and that Kanan is a parent. Just blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. And then like they really specific, I think it was Gobi who specifically says each parent adds Mm, themselves. Yeah. And since Kanan can't do it. And yeah, I like to think that, Hera was also adding him to her family. 
But the, the 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 specific words of each parent just really hit me. Like, oh, maybe Hero was adding him in addition to everything else because he is a parent. Mm, uh, was yeah. a parent, you know, oh, like I love uh, that. I love that. Um, I did some research and Calicoria is a word that first appeared in the 2011 Star Wars Legends video game, The Old Republic, as Calicori Village, which was a Twi'lek settlement on the planet Tython. Um, according, according to the in-game codex, the village was named after an old Twi'lek word for beginning. So I can see that actually still applying to the Calicori, like, you know, the first piece of the Calicori is the beginning of this family's heritage or legacy. Yeah. Um, so I think that was kind of cool bringing in another thing from Legends, but still keeping a little bit of the meaning possibly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To me, it just sounds like a town in the Legend of Zelda, though. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to go to Calicori Village. I think that is one of the villages. <laughs> and um, yeah, it makes me sad to think about what other Twi'lek families had Calicories that mm-hmm. unfortunately... Hera blew them up. Blew them up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She blew those up. But also just thinking back to Clone Wars and how a lot of their... A lot of the possessions were taken mm-hmm. by the Separatists. Oh, and I remember yeah. the Ark of the Covenant was inserted in there as like a, <laughs> as a little Easter egg too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's sad to think about how a lot of people's legacies have been destroyed or lost or forgotten yeah over because of war Mm -hmm. totally um and i mentioned this too but uh henry gilroy did say that it was inspired by heritage quilts which is something i'm not super familiar with but i've seen in tv shows Mm -hmm. um but evidently it's a quilt that someone you you make one square in the quilt uh about your family and then you pass it down from generation to generation so eventually you have all these different things and it kind of tells a story of what was cool in that time and what was important to the family in that time and paints kind of a nice, it is a lovely picture. So yeah, I could kind of see the inspiration from that. Um, let's move on to talk about the blue guy, which the blue guy. as you pointed out, I love, I love that Ezra's like, who's, who's the blue, blue guy? guy? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love it. Totally. It's so silly. Um, but yeah, this is the first time that they have encountered Thrawn and he kind of flexes a little bit. I I talked about how I don't feel like they lean into his appreciation for art as much as I, I would have liked or as much as they did back in the old novels. But this is a good episode for that because you kind of really see the value that he places on learning about other people's cultures to gain a strategic advantage. And that's kind of one of his, I call it his Thrawn superpower. (laughs) <laughs> is that he can just see like seven steps ahead because he's into the learning. Um, and Slavin is not. So seeing the dynamic between those two was really fun to me. Please, I am a poor refugee. Captain, do you recognize this? Yes, it, it was here in my office. I thought I could sell it for food. My family is starving. No excuse. You shall make a valuable example to others of your kind who think to steal from the Empire. She's far more valuable than you realize. Uh, How do you mean? To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. It was, I agree. 
The one thing I wish, and I remember I had talked about this with my mom too. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I wish they had changed was Hera's outfit to make her look like a simple slave girl. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because... Ezra got all dressed up. I know, right? Why couldn't they put Hera in something else? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because it... It would then emphasize more that Thrawn is this guy who can see more than what Mm -hmm. the ordinary person sees. But, you know, she's obviously wearing a pilot uniform. (laughs) She's obviously wearing a pilot's head cap thing Mm -hmm. before you put on the helmet. And it's like, I get that you want Thrawn to look like he's smart and several steps ahead, but anyone can see this. And Slavin just looks more like an idiot because of it. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, I wish that had been changed in the in the episode. And I understand budget mm-hmm. budgetary reasons and whatnot. But, yeah. but still, Thrawn came <laughs> off as very, very astute in his observations. Yeah, and I like that Hera goes back into her like weird French accent. Yes, <laughs> which is a fun touch always. Um, the po- the thing I want to talk about that I thought was cool is when he loses his cool with Slavin. Have the Caligori transported to my ship. We should just destroy that piece of Twilight trash. <sighs> My apologies, Captain Slavin. I forgot not everyone is able to appreciate art as I do. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm conducting an experiment that requires my attendance. I leave it to your command to finish the job. And so I shall. Um, oh, yeah. Slavin's kind of disrespecting the art, and you kind of see his ferocious like nature come out. I think that's cool for two reasons, because first of all, you see if you know about Thrawn from his backstory, and I'm sure we're going to jump into it into some sort of deep dive at some point. But, you know, he grew up as a survivor in a pretty wild place. Um, He he can be very physically brutal, um, which makes it more impressive to me that he uses his intellect more than he uses anything is, you know, he's not a Vader. He's not just like a blunt object that's going to walk down a hall and kill 50 people. but he probably could because he is a physical badass. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. But the other thing is you see him collect himself and kind of compute in his head a little bit. And, you know, if he is seeing five steps ahead, I think he knows if he lets this play out, he will get valuable data on the rebels. But also he's going to doom Slavin through his own incompetence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you see him kind of calm down and be like, I'm sorry. Like, but he's it, I think this is a ruse because he's like, I kind of want to rip this guy's head off, but I'll let him do it himself. And he's able mm-hmm. to kind of see that. So it's like kind of like, why beat a man when he can just like beat himself? And then, yeah. you know, Thrawn's hands aren't dirty. Probably is an advantage for him in the military ranks. Um, so he's playing chess. Definitely. He's both playing with the chess. Chess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Did I just make a racist joke about no. chess? <laughs> I didn't mean to. No, no. Um, I thought it was, uh, yeah, Thrawn is such a fascinating character as well, because even in the later seasons, you get the idea, the impression that he's selecting people to be in alliance with when Mm -hmm. facing the rebels. Yeah. And and the one mistake he makes is using, I believe it was Constantine, 
um, as part of his, you know, the when they finally hold them down in um, Adelon. And of course, Constantine messes up by breaking ranks. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm constantly seeing Thrawn, you know, doing gymnastics in his yeah, head, <laughs> totally. figuring out who I should work with. And mm-hmm. Slavin is definitely not one of these people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I just love the idea of being in a museum with Ron. Like, I want to make that <laughs> happen in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> totally. We're, like, going on a museum trip. And yeah, he's just, like, giving us all this history on the mm-hmm. mind. <laughs> yeah. I think in later episodes, we'll see his uh, his office. And it's kind of like a museum on his own, really which I is. think is really cool, too. <laughs> And that's something from the books. They they take a lot of time to talk about his office and all the things in it and how he uses it for battle. And I think they just nod to that in Rebels. Um, but it's kind of cool to see all those artifacts. Mm-hmm. So the only other things I have, I don't think there's much to talk about this because they do the old-fashioned ghost crew blow and jump. I don't really know what. <laughs> I need a better name for that. But they just make a distraction, blow some stuff up, and get out of there, which is how they get out of a lot of things. Yeah, it's Um, true. But I love that Chopper took pleasure in it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He was so happy. He's like, I hate this place. And I love blowing people up. (laughs) Um, which Which is interesting because at the very beginning, you know, we see him just mentally stuck uh in front of the y-wing yeah and then all of a sudden he pops in and he he looks a little bit more cheery he's like hello i'm here (laughs) and and he's just like having a grand old time running through those halls and putting those detonators down (laughs) (laughs) maybe this goes back to the theme maybe that y-wing is chopper's calicory that he needs to give up to sacrifice in order to save his family Yes, because he knows where his family is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Yeah, he's afraid that he's going to have that emotional pull and they're going to have to go and do a mission to save the Y-Wing. <laughs> and he's going to put all of his friends in danger. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and then just some random points is when they blow up the house, one of the stormtroopers does the Wilhelm scream, which is a famous Easter egg across totally all of Star Wars. I totally missed that. Yeah. I am sorry, Father. It's all right, Hera. Even I have been captured before. No, I'm sorry about the house. Chopper! Um, and then the only other things we didn't chat about this really quick because I did there wasn't much there, but there's a little battle in the canyon. I just wanted to point out that we see the return of Sabine's colorful explosives which we haven't seen in a little while. She sets like a trap and blows something up and it's a, the explosion is like purples and greens and stuff mixed yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. And also, I don't know what Gobi's doing with that rocket launcher. <laughs> like, yeah, Gobi, come on. You should have hit the thing straight on. I know. Right. <laughs> and it's not like he missed, like he purposely like <laughs> tried to shoot the wall and they're like, that's not going to hold him for long. Pew, pew, pew. Like, <laughs> held them for like three seconds. Why didn't you just shoot the stupid thing? You have a rocket launcher. Yes, I thought the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one thing about that fight, too, just as they were going to set the 
trap. Um, Zeb touches Kanan mm-hmm. to let him know that we're going to start this. Uh, and I, always, I love yeah. those little moments because, you know, of Kanan's condition. And he can sense things and see things, certain things in the force, but he still needs the occasional touch to be like hey we're going to do this thing now <laughs> yeah and and i love that and it's just it's it's, it's caught in the dark so you you kind of miss it but totally. if you pause it in that moment it's it's just a really neat moment yeah that's a great touch i missed that that's cool and one other thing about Hera's mom mm, i'm still yeah. mad we don't know her name that's a good point i never thought about that yeah, like huh. the moms in Star Wars, man. They need they need a little bit more love. <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those things, and dads too, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that just really you could have just inserted her name in there somewhere. Yeah, and nothing. She's just mom, you know. And I just kind of wish that we knew her name just to give her something other than what she represents. I think it's like uh, if you discover a new element on the periodic table, if they haven't named Harris mom, we get to name it. Oh, we should totally do that. All right. <laughs> what, what do you think her name is? Hmm. Oh, man, I'm trying to remember if I had created something because my friend <laughs> and I because my friend and I love to create our own little headcanons and stories. Yeah, and unfortunately, awesome. I I. If we did, I don't remember it because I have like a long list of things that we've created, <laughs> uh, but I have a terrible memory. But I want to say maybe something like something that symbolizes light or hope or something of that nature. Jessica. Be- oh, OK. <laughs> With a K. <laughs> no, I was just joking. <laughs> OK, I was actually being serious. Okay. Because there's a lot of names like that where you're like, oh, that's too Earth like yeah. in there. <laughs> But they they make it work. All right. So we're going with Jessica for now. Jessica Sindula. Yes. If any of our listeners have good ideas for for Hera's mom's name, tweet us. Make sure to tag Rebels Rebels and Jonah Marie. And we will we'll pick our favorite one and we'll file it with the trademark and patent office. And then from now on, if anyone ever talks about Hera's mom, we get money. I yeah, think yeah. I think that's how it works. I know law. Those credits, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Were there any other notes you had? Anything else that you thought of? I just, I also found it interesting how Hera was willing to destroy the Calicori and not leave it in Thrawn's hands. Yeah, she she just did not want him to have it, and she would probably smash it with her own foot if she could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually like this. We didn't talk about this, but that reminds me that I like this because it shows a little bit of a different side of Hera. We haven't seen a lot of the emotional Hera. She's had to be kind of strong. She's like strong mom, keeping the family together. Yeah. Um, And she's very analytical and calculating. Um, So it's not a lot of, we don't see a lot kind of the emotional Hera, the one that would like, the idea of her, this family thing is so important to her that she'd rather destroy it than someone have it in their office. And yeah. yeah. Um, like even just the whole plan of going back just to get this thing that's emotionally important to her seems very like Ezra season one. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And I just thought, man, are we really doing this? Or is this, <laughs> is this really Hera? Totally. But sometimes, you know, it just reminds us that she's not this 
automaton that does this and that and is a rule is a a leader and, mm-hmm. and what she also has her own emotions. She has her her history that she that she is very much still in touch with. Totally. And I like it that makes it fun for me that Ezra's the one who comes along because he's like, Yeah, of course. So <laughs> yeah. dope. I'm up for this. <laughs> and and I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a one point when Cham said uh, she will lead in my place, uh, speaking mm. about Hera. And I was wondering, would Hera do something like that? Would she uh, take over what Cham's doing or would she just continue working the bigger picture? That's a really interesting question. Because I, I, it's funny how Cham thinks that because yeah. Hera... Uh, you know her. She's mm-hmm. not going to come back to Ryloth and just focus on this one little planet mm-hmm. compared to the entire galaxy. Yeah. Well, I wonder too, like what what emotional building they've done since we last saw them because we they were obviously in the first time we met them and when we when we rescued Cham, I forgot the name of the episode. Um, you know, her and Hera's relationship, him and Hera's relationship was still pretty icy. And yeah. then at the end of the episode, they kind of have a begrudging respect. Um, mm-hmm. They've gotten closer, but by the time we see him here, you know, he's confident that if he dies, then she will take over. He also says, like, there's nothing more important than my daughter. Um, so like, he's like willing to sacrifice himself for her. Mm-hmm. And then he also says something. I forgot what exactly what it was, but it was like he compliments her in a way that was like really warm about like my daughter would never gives up or my daughter will like will figure this out or no mm-hmm. one could be, I forgot exactly what it was, but I feel like it's like he didn't have that perspective in that his, in his respect for his daughter until this episode. So I wonder kind of what happened in that middle piece that we missed. Yeah. That would be interesting to get a little short story about mm-hmm. that. And, and I don't know, but I feel like if Cham, I'm not one for killing off characters, (laughs) Um, but I feel like maybe Cham should have kicked the bucket in this episode. I don't know. Maybe with the whole Calicori thing and then her adding a piece for her father. Like that's uh, a good point too. And I think it'd be cool because it would close the loop on that character we've known since the Clone Wars as well. And that would be kind of an interesting through line for the entire series. That question exactly. Like, do I go back to, my home and lead the resistance on my home in the place of my father. Like maybe his death spurns Hera to reconsider what is important to her. And so she's pulled between, do I stay with the rebellion or go back to Ryloth? I think that could have been kind of an interesting theme. Yeah. And there's an alternate universe story right there. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to write some fan fiction. Woot. And I am ready to close this up if you are. I am too, yeah. So how we like to close up these episodes is that we rate it on a scale from our favorite thing to our least favorite thing in Star Wars. And then we pick something in between. So why don't I jump off and I will give an example of how this works. My favorite thing currently in Star Wars is Rey pulling the lightsaber out of the snow into her hand, past Kylo Ren's face. It was an awesome moment. 
I loved the applause in the theater and it was symbolism symbolizing some awesome things. I really love that moment. Um, my least favorite thing is everything C-3PO does anytime other than in the original trilogy. Um, so <laughs> between those two things, I'm going to say this episode is the pod race from episode one, which to me is like a C. It's not bad. There's some exciting stuff in there, but nothing like super grabbed me or is particularly memorable. I think the Calicori is going to come back, which might be a little interesting, but I, you know, I think it was, I'd say it was kind of a middle of the pack episode for me. Um, Jonah Marie, what is your scale and how did you like this episode? Yeah. So I guess on a scale of L3 dying and becoming part of the Millennium Falcon, which is my least favorite <laughs> thing in Star Wars right now. All right. Fair, fair. <laughs> to Poe Dameron's forearms in The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such a good one. Oh man, I am loving those forearms. <laughs> I fully support that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give this episode a Ezra chasing after Melu runs. <laughs> Which is about a B plus. All right. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Because I, I still think Champ should have died. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised you gave any Rebels episode anything less than an A. I know. It does happen. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. nothing nothing below a B. <laughs> okay. Fair. 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 <laughs> Great. That is fantastic. Um, Jonah, would you like to tell people where they can find you? Yes. So listeners can find me over at Blue Jay Guys on Twitter, as well as thewookiegunner.com. And that's Wookie with two E's. I still find <laughs> a lot of people spelling it with one. Yep. And they can also listen to me and my mom chat about Star Wars animated shows over at the Geeky Bubble. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> As always, tell your mom hi. Yes, I will. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and get agreeing to guest hosts. Um, of course. It's really fun to do it with you. You're a fan favorite and you're a Yay. favorite of ours. So <laughs> we'll, I hope I did okay, Mike. I hope I hope we, <laughs> I hope we did fine. <laughs> yeah, you did great. Um yeah, we will let you know when we have updates on Mike's return, but for now look forward to more fun episodes. And in the meantime, you can find us at Rebels Rebels Pod and Gmail and Twitter and Instagram. I also learned, did you know, like if you have one of those smart devices, like a Google Home, you just say like, okay, Google, play the latest episode of Rebels Rebels Podcast. And it'll just start playing podcasts on there. So you can do that for your podcast too, Geeky Bubble. Just talk to your devices. And it's like talking to a droid. I know. Only, only it's not as cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a fun, easy way to listen to us. Um, and yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. You may have it featured on one of our episodes. And until next time, be brave and don't look back. Bye. Bye.